I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence, the show where we watch movies and revel in all the parts, all the things that make them watchable, which is copious amounts of sex and violence. We talk about that. My name is Orlando, uh, and joining me, as usual, is my regular guest and roommate, Ned. Say hi, Ned. Hey, how's everybody doing? So... You ready for tonight's movie? I am, yeah. Tonight we're watching King Solomon's Minds, oh. which is a 1985 action-adventure film starring Richard Chamberlain, Sharon Stone in one of her early roles, Herbert Lom, and John Reese davies This movie was directed by J. Lee Thompson. Uh, and this is uh, actually the fourth of five film adaptations of the novel by Henry Ryder Haggard, also called King Solomon's Minds. But this one's a little different. This one is sort of like a comedic take. It was released in 1985. And so it was a time and place when lots of people were trying to cash in on the Indiana Jones phenomenon. So this movie was a direct attempt to cash in on that. Therefore, it's kind of like a cheap knockoff slash parody of the Indiana Jones movies. Oh, what could go wrong there, <laughs> huh? What what could possibly go wrong? Have you ever seen this movie, Ned? I have not, no. Um, I uh, I think it was... Uh, the, the title, King Solomon's Minds, was maybe referenced once in a film that my family loved called Death Set, which is just like a very sweet mm-hmm. like Christmas time movie yeah. featuring Spencer Pra Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. It's a good so movie, classic. That, yeah, yeah, so good. Um, but that is uh, that is the extent of my awareness of this thing's existence. But that was a but, different movie, I believe. Exactly, yeah, yeah. They, they would have been referencing a different a different adaptation. So this movie actually is kind of uh, near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Uh, because growing up, I was a huge fan of the Indiana Jones movies. And, you know, when I watched all the Indiana Jones movies, all I wanted was to watch more Indiana Jones movies. And one thing that you quickly realize is that there are not a lot of movies out there like that. But of all the movies out there like that, you know, my family came upon this movie and I would watch it over and over and over again. So I became really familiar with it. I've seen it countless times since I was a kid. And I will say, even though it is a cheap Indiana Jones knockoff, and we'll talk about that more in depth, Mm -hmm. it is probably the best cheap Indiana Jones knockoff of all the cheap Indiana Jones knockoffs. Um, And this movie is available to watch for free on TubiTV.com. That's T-U-B-I-T-V.com. And that's how we're going to watch it tonight. It's also available on Stars. If you have a Stars subscription, it's there. Um, but, you know, if not, then you can, I guess you could rent it somewhere if you want to. But it's completely free on Tubi TV. You don't need a subscription for that. Yeah. So, are you ready to delve in to the campiness and schlockiness 
of King Solomon's Minds. Uh, I, how could I not be? How could I not be? <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to break here and watch the movie. If you guys want to play along, we're going to come back and do some trivia and talk about this movie. So watch the movie and then come along and play with us. So we'll see you on the other side. See you all there. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. And we're back. I think we are. I think all of us are here. <laughs> we just watched King Solomon's Minds. My lord, we did. First reactions. Ooh, boy! <laughs> <laughs> what a movie. What a movie. Um, the... <laughs> um, it, uh... Ugh, ugh, so much of it. So much so, to talk about. <laughs> so much to talk about. Um, definitely a real, real sloppy one, for starters. Very just sloppy, in terms yeah. of, like... The editing, and uh, in terms of the the racial politics, uh, in terms of the uh, <laughs> the the attempts at humor, of which I think uh, I think like of the many 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 jokes that the film tried to tell, both like visual like visual gags as well as you know verbal gags, like. I'm pretty sure I could count them on. I could count the <laughs> successful ones on one hand and still have plenty fingers free to, you know, grab some snacks. Yeah, part of the. I mean, it's still it's still kind of enjoyable to me because, like, the, even like the bad humor, you laugh at it because it's so bad. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think that's that's kind of the tricky thing is that like I was definitely laughing a lot right. during this movie, but for the not, wrong reasons. But but yeah, for a lot of the wrong reasons. And now, for, let me ask you this. Yeah, because like we established earlier, this is clearly an attempt to cash in on the Indiana Jones thing. Yeah, was this a cheap knockoff? A parody or an uneasy mix of both? I mean, I think the the movie definitely leans very heavily into the outrageous humor. So yeah. I think like it, it 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 sits it sits very deep in parody territory okay. for me. I think it, it that's not to say that they clear like, you know, just given when it came out, it you know, they clearly were trying to capitalize on like, you know, the mm-hmm. the acclaim of the Indiana Jones series, right. but um, but yeah, no, I think it's definitely it it's definitely not an earnest attempt to make a a uh, another adventure film in that vein. It it definitely borrows a ton, a lot. It it borrows very liberally from from Indiana Jones uh, in terms of just like structure, right? But like, it's also just so clear how much of it rings hollow just through like. Bad acting, bad direction, bad editing, like just... Also, it's interesting, like yeah. the Indiana Jones movies, they have a depth to them. They're all, yes, they're all about the adventure, but they're all about Indiana Jones learning something. Like, yeah. you know, like a, it's either a gaining of a faith or a, a, his repairing his relationship with his father, things like that. Yeah. This movie didn't really have any depth. Yeah, that well, that's the thing. Yeah, because like that's the thing. You know, the the basics of storytelling are that your characters have to, you know, you know, they there has to be a, an important need for them, and that they make it through the journey, and by the end of the film, they, you know, 
learn something or come to some sort of understanding mm-hmm. or or you know or you know either either get the thing they need or understand more about what that thing is there's there's a change in the character there's a growth in the character right. there's like no attempt at any sort no, of character none, development none. in this like um the yeah the the protagonists of the film there's barely any evolution between when they yeah. begin and when they end if at all if at all and um yeah it's just yeah yeah it's it's all very it's all very just pacing in place yeah very much a campy b movie now something interesting before we go into the trivia uh jay lee thompson the director uh, it, it's crazy that he directed this movie because he also directed Cape Fear, the original Cape Fear, and The Guns of, of Navarone, which are both excellent movies. Cape Fear is one of the best suspense thrillers of like the late 60s, and The Guns of Navarone is a, a very tight action thriller. Both star Gregory Peck, by the way. Um, and it's just crazy that a man of like that talent would then like turn around and direct something like this. That is, that is surprising. I mean, just, uh, I, I think I saw the guns of Navarone like once way too long ago for me to remember Mm -hmm. any of it, but like just knowing how widely acclaimed that film is. uh, Yeah. That is, that is shocking. Very shocking. The same director. Like this guy, I mean, come on, you could have put, put in a little bit of effort to make it. Yeah. Or I mean, just, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think maybe, maybe, maybe really is in the edit then, because I, I don't know if I don't know what happened with the editing. Well, like, I, like yeah, it was yeah, pretty the way, sloppy. Yeah, the yeah, it was just very, very badly. But paced. a lot of the There's directorial lot of... choices were pretty iffy too. You got to admit. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Now, but, but yeah, the one thing that is like a saving grace of this movie and just keeps it from being absolute trash is how it's elevated by. A fantastic, too good to be in this movie score by the legend Jerry Goldsmith. Yes, that is true. I will say, you know, like the the music, like the music is the piece of ribbon that keeps yeah. the film. It keeps together it so together because because the soundtrack is quite good. That's um, so good. In I fact, was pleasantly surprised when I saw his name in the opening credits. Right. And uh, yeah, the soundtrack, I will say, definitely does a very good job of of keeping the audience rooted in like yeah. that this is just like yeah. a fun, adventurous romp right. and stuff like that. So I think that definitely was a big service to the film and, and kept it kept it from being too painful. Jerry but. Goldsmith, of course, has, has composed film scores for um, such classics as Chinatown, The Omen, Alien, Gremlins, L.A. Confidential. I mean... Yeah. There's just too many to really yeah, go into. Yeah, my God. Planet yeah. of the Apes. Yeah. The Man's a Legend. And this score was also kind of like refer- referential to the, I guess, the John Williams Raiders score in a way. But it did it, it did a lot of its own thing. And Jerry's, I, I mean, Jerry's probably my favorite film composer. Yeah. And it's, it's very, it's very John Williams like right. yeah, it definitely it definitely borrows a lot again yeah it borrows um, a lot but but i think like a lot of like the the melodies that he uses and stuff i think are in a way kind of oddly superior at times to even like the raiders march like i would rather this this adventure hmm. theme to me is more swelling and adventuresome and swashbuckling than the raiders marches hmm. and that's not a slight on on john williams because i love both of them and i feel like if this was a better movie 
you would probably agree with me, but I've seen this movie hmm. enough to where I've developed that opinion over the years. Well, that, that's a thing. I mean, I, I, I will say, um, uh, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to dismiss that very spicy take. Uh, I won't dismiss that spicy take out of hand. I think it's a great spicy take. Um, I think, uh, for me, the jury will have to be out a little bit. I think I'll, I'll need to have heard, I'll need to have heard both more of the Indiana Jones score as well as more of right. the, I, as well as to be more familiar with this score in order to better, uh, better, uh, assess where I stand and where my opinions are on that. But, but I do, I do like the spicy take. So we'll talk more in depth about the movie here in a second, but first we're going to play some trivia. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Are you ready for King Solomon's Mines trivia, man? Yeah, man. I, I've got my map, uh, and I, I don't know where I was going with that, <laughs> but I got my map, so and, let's go forth. And the treasure forth. is bragging rights. All right. Some bragging rights that I will force my enemy to swallow. And you've you've had some pretty, you know, good success and pretty good run here recently. Yeah, so yeah. You're doing good with the we'll trivia. See, we'll see, yeah, we'll, we'll see. see how we do I that. appreciate that, I appreciate that. We're okay, gonna... here is yeah. question number one. All right. What German composer is Colonel Bachner particularly infatuated with? He is, uh, he is particularly infatuated with Wagner. Correct. No, no, no accident that his name is very similar. That his name is very similar. Wagner, Wagner. Yeah. It rhymes. Yeah. Richard Wagner. Now, here's a bonus point, though. Yeah. If you can name the piece specifically that they play over and over again in the movie, that would be Ride of the Valkyries. Correct. Ride um, of the Valkyries. Of, of course. Uh, of course. Uh, you know. Uh, it, Etched, etched into uh, the the cinematic gestalt from its use in Apocalypse Now, obviously. Ah, another great use um, of the of the, of the piece. But, uh, it comes yeah. from the Ring um, cycle. Well, you got that one, great. You even got the bonus point on that one, so that's uh, a one and a half good, points good, right good, there. Good. So we are ready for question number two. You ready? I am. I am. Yeah. When they crash the plane, and they being Alan Quatermain and Jesse. When they crash the plane, how do they know they're going the right way to the mines? They know because they crash uh, within viewing distance of the uh, the twin mountains of something otherwise known as Sheba's breasts. The breasts. The breasts of, of Sheba. Sheba. The breasts of Sheba. Yes, that's the one. How convenient that there were two perfectly pirat like canonical. Yeah, symmetrical, like yeah, mountains. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, uh, boy, Af- Africa, the continent, just it's endless, a beautiful endless, continent. endless wonders, endless, endless mysteries. Clearly, yeah, that's why they used to call it the Dark Continent, I guess, because yeah. it had lots of great body part mountains and yes, stuff like that. Yes, yes, 100%. 100% researched. The, the research department was up all night on that one. Let me tell you, we had the boys in the back room really crunching those numbers there. Okay, question number three. Question number three. How does Quartermain lose his hat? He loses... <laughs> I remembered him losing his hat. I was like, oh shit, he's not going to have a hat for the rest of the movie. He's supposed to be Indiana Jones in this fucking thing. Um, he loses his hat uh, when he climbs down underneath the train and then has that uh, incredibly awkward fight sequence yeah. uh, 
in the train's undercarriage with, with the, the uh, German with the German officer. Yeah, there's so many like set pieces and <laughs> fights in this movie that I think like in a, in a more like in a big budget movie with more skillful hands, it could have been really cool. Like the whole idea yeah, of having cool, an undercarriage cool, yeah. fight in the train is really cool, but yeah. that was not yeah no that that was awkward well, and, and it's just like again it's like it's another example of like a clearly like you know an opportunity for humor that it seemed like maybe they were trying to mine but like right. it just they they did not they did not do what they needed to do in order to give it like physical beats to like make the joke of like they're fighting but they're lying down under right. the train yeah land. like and like the, the way yeah. that the camera is used is not very like you'd think in, in a fight like that because it's very close quarters and cramped and you would want to create some sort of sort of claustrophobia to create t- to to up the tension and the suspense yeah. but the camera just basically just stays on the same level the whole time yeah yeah it's pretty kind of just that, that weird side pan that they're right. kind of doing and uh, yeah and, and also again that like killed the that also killed the tension of like when the guy was chasing after him because it's like he's climbing through then the guy is climbing yeah. through after him and I'm like oh well but he's so far ahead oh wait no now they're fighting yeah, he's right like, there. so yeah again just like poorly edited poorly structured poorly blocked like the best part of the fight to me and I'm like ever since I was a kid I always liked is the moment when he's like pushing his head out and the rock is coming but yeah. he gets out of it like pretty lamely but I always like always like that moment where like Quartermain just likes looking at the rock and he has that double take there's yeah. a lot of like very cartoony stuff in this movie yeah yeah no all of the reactions all that stuff yeah they really turned that up to 11 all right, here is question number four. You're doing great. All right, all right, number yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty good. We're, we're safe now, right? Or uh, I forget. We never really set a threshold for victory, right? Yeah, we never really do. I no, mean, it's just kind of. Ge- <laughs> I'm either generally successful or generally not. Right, That's exactly. Kind of, if if you if you're a loser, you know it. If you're a loser, you do know it. Yeah, and okay. I I do know it. Here's That's question sure. number four. How many times does Dagati die, and how? Does he die? Hmm. The Gotti, of course, being John Reese Davies. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Um. So, okay, wait. Uh, is it the mouth of the cave? Okay, okay, yeah. Um. He. Ha- uh, so, so are we talking how many false deaths? Right. Does exactly. He have? Yeah. Okay. So die so, with so, quotation marks. Okay. Cool. So, so, so not the real one. Not the real one. Okay. Not counting the moment where he actually fucking dies. Well, we'd have to count it because that's a death as well, but all but all the times that he dies. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, okay, cool. Great. Uh, so so not excluding right. the actual death as mm-hmm. well. Um, he dies. He he is uh, shot at the entrance to the mines when he's betrayed by Colonel Bachner. Uh, he dies when uh, Colonel Bachner leaves <laughs> him to uh, be crushed by the, the collapsing avalanche of the treasure chamber and then he dies when uh when uh he is lit on fire during his fist fight <laughs> with <laughs> with Quartermain and is thus uh sent uh head over heels into the into the thing of lava shot so, by Bachner buried alive yeah. and he falls into the fiery pit correct yeah, so that's three that's the three three times yeah you got it which you know, you know, comedy rule of three. comedy, like rule yeah. of three, exactly. Yeah, it's but, crazy. Like the, the the relationship between Bachner and Degati is 
is pretty interesting because like they're yeah. working together, but they like loathe each other. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I kind of wish that I had mined that a little bit more because that was some of the more enjoyable parts of the movie. I think. Yeah, definitely. Again, speaking of things that are like too good for this movie, like right. fucking Jonathan, you know, John, John Reese Davies, um, and Herbert like, Lom too. I mean, and, and actually, yeah, Herbert Lom. Like, yeah, he. I think, and I, I think, like you know, Herbert Lom was definitely like. A little more, I think, in the goofy universe right. that the film was Very trying campy. to strike to, which, which at first I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I think like once once the film hit a groove, and we'll talk about this a bit, because I do think there's a point where the film does hit a groove. It mm-hmm. just like starts so roughly, and then there are just yeah. so many weird fucking things that happen. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, like when it when it kind of hits its groove, like yeah, their dynamic together does definitely, you know, it, it definitely makes for some of the better moments of the film. And Herbert Lum, of course, is is a better known um, for 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 being in the Pink Panther movies. He's Oh, he, didn't realize yeah. that. Okay, I'm actually I'm actually very, 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 very under uh, underknowledged about the Pink Panther movies. I don't think I've even seen one all the way through. The uh, the first two Pink Panther movies are are really are really good. Right, good but uh but that's but, another podcast. But that's a completely different podcast. Yeah. And he plays uh, Inspector um, Dreyfus. Inspector Dreyfus. Yeah. He's well known in those movies. The first two are great movies, but the rest of them, eh? You know, you, you can you can skip the rest of them. But yeah. those are pretty good. Okay, so you're doing really well. Cool. You you pretty much aced uh, that question. Uh, here comes question number five. This is, I believe, the hardest question. Cool. But you might know it. We'll see. Hmm. What is the name of the tribe they encounter who live their lives upside down? Oh. Oh, no. Oh. Oh. Mm. I, I, I actually don't. Oh, I can't, I can't. I can't remember. Um, I'll just say uh, the Watusis. No, no. Okay, no, not the Watusis. So, no. uh, Quartermain does say it when he's like, when he recalls, he's like, Abugwa. These must be the Abugwa. So the answer is Abugwa. Ah, the Abugwa. Who, Damn. according to Quartermain, live their lives upside down because they're unhappy with the way the world is and hope to change it. Ugh, to yeah. which, to which Jesse replies, "That's so sad." <laughs> I'll tell you what else is fucking sad. <laughs> that whole fucking sequence was real. Just you, you remember my reaction during that it's whole like, thing? What the fuck is happening? What, what, yeah, that there was no excuse. There was no excuse for that. For the choice to do that in any way. So you got four out of five. I got four out of five. Here's the bonus. There's a bonus that may keep me keep me at five. The but. bonus is not that hard, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. John Reese davies of course. He mm-hmm. uh, he's in this movie. He plays Degati, and as we both discussed in detail, he's also Sala in the Indiana Jones uh, film series. Yes. Uh, so the question is, which Indiana Jones movies does John Reese davies appear in see, as Sala? See, and I was just gonna ask you that. <laughs> yep. And you were like, "Don't ask me that." <laughs> so fuck. Um, but also, um, I think uh, I'll just shoot my shot and say that uh, he was in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and he was in The Last Crusade. Correct. Boom. 
He was in two movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. I will I will say that um, I was partially aided by the fact that uh, after this movie ended, I did a quick Wikipedia search for John Reese davies nah. So I didn't know which films he was in, but I did know he was in two of them mm-hmm. from, from the Wikipedia article. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. mentioned in like the blurb. Like, he was in two Indiana Jones movies. So, um, at the, so, so that was what I was going to try to ask you, was just like, wait, which two Indiana yeah. Jones movies was? Was he in? Yeah. Um, but uh, so so. Anyways, I, pretty popular character from those movies. Everyone loves Sala. Yeah, Sala's um, great. Sala's and great. and it's kind of like weird because he's like in this movie he's kind of playing like a villainous version of the same type of character. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, a little bit. But yeah, the movie. But but yeah, but but yeah, he's so good too. Like that's the thing. He like, is pretty yeah, good. Even just, even in, and, and that in, voice. Even in oh. shit like this, he's yeah, good. Yeah, no. Well, and also just like that voice. Like I'm I'm a I'm a real sucker for just like a a deep voice. The big um, powerful big, baritone. Big powerful, big powerful deep voice. Um, so the movie is pretty rough, uh, and it does it does kind of hit like a uh, its stride, like you're like you were saying. But even then, I feel like. Yeah. It just throws a lot of peril, like we're talking about. It throws a lot of peril uh, one after the other without really connecting it in any way. There, It's yeah. like a bunch of just like, it's very episodic. And then finally we get to the mines. Now, this movie has nothing really in common with the actual plot from the book, except for just like a few similarities here and there. The, the Quartermain char- is, is a character. Main is a like- character. The character of Umbopo is in it. Um, yeah. and, and the whole reveal that Umbopo is actually... The uh, king of the Tawanas, that, uh, that's, yeah. uh, or Tuwalas, or I forgot what the name was. <laughs> I forgot too. But, uh, or Tuwakas, something like that. I forgot. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he, that is in the books, and uh, that's pretty much it. Like the, this movie, like I said, has been adapted five times. Yeah. This book. Well, I guess it's interesting that, um, so, like, was Quartermain's character in the original book a similar kind of, like, hunter-adventurer He was the Great guy? White Hunter. He was the Great White Hunter, okay. And he was, like, the protagonist so of the, the book? So, the plot in the book, yeah. if I remember correctly, I may be conflating it slightly with the original movie starring Deborah Kerr, which is actually a lot better than this movie, yeah. but also a lot less action-packed, but, you know, it was it yeah. was a good movie. I mean, so look, I do, I do need my action, so <laughs> like, that's real. Um, but it wasn't as cheesy as this. So if I remember correctly, the plot is that the, and I don't think that her name was Jesse Houston. I think it was something else. But anyway, the Jesse Houston character, uh, she didn't lose her father. She lost her husband. Okay. And she, she hired Quartermain to help her find her husband. Okay. And so the plot of the movie is them going to King Solomon's mines because the husband is was going to King Solomon's mines, so they're just trying to track him down. And the conflict is or the I guess the internal conflict is that Quartermain and her kind of develop a semi-romantic thing, yeah. but they can't really act upon it because yeah. they don't know if the husband is dead or alive. And then it turns out that the husband is alive. Yeah, that sounds interesting. That that definitely you know makes for some some very compelling, interesting character development, and that sure is lacking from this fucking movie. <laughs> all right, so uh, yeah, in this movie they changed too fucking it. bad. I guess in this movie they changed it to a father, and the father character is there, but then he's not. He they, they, they remove him, and he's not again. He's not used in the rest of the movie. So did this did this movie come out after the Last Crusade or before? no? This was so Temple of Doom was 84 
and then this was and 85. this is eighty five. So this would have this would have been possibly in production roughly around the same time as Temple of Doom when maybe. it was being released. Oh, oh okay, I would cool. say because it was probably okay. maybe like in production maybe like a, a year, year or two or previous. Two? Okay, cool. Uh, and this movie also like borrows a lot from *Romancing the Stone*, which is also a superior adventure film. Have you ever yeah. seen that one? I have not. Yeah, that's a good movie. Right. It's a good movie. That's also is good I would say like an adventure comedy, but yeah. but all, but a more successful one. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into talking about the actual nooks and crannies of this film. Yeah, and we're gonna do that by jumping right into our segments. The first of which is shots, 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 shots. We're talking about the violence in this movie. Boy, yeah, there was a lot of it. There's too much violence, honestly. I can't ask you how many people died because there's like a bunch of Germans, Turks, Africans, like just everybody's yeah. just dying left and right. But what are some of the memorable, memorable deaths? Um, well, uh, certainly, uh, uh, well, actually, uh, it wasn't going to be a death, but I will say probably the most memorable thing was um, uh, the the German uh, colonel being made to swallow the fucking diamonds. That would which, follow under which, which I would violence. Say was, yeah, That's violent, violent. <laughs> violent in a very, like, fucked up menacing very, kind of yeah. way. And also, just like, one well, also, uh, just like before that, with like... Uh, John Reese Davies character like when they're like they're being held up by the quicksand and yeah. a bunch of the German soldiers are there and he just fucking grabs the just gun and mows them, them down. down and then he's like okay now we've got a footbridge through this and and I remember being like okay like on the one hand like there's the sight gag of like mm-hmm. now the dead bodies are a footbridge but also I was like that's that's pretty fucking dark like they're they're fucking dying and suffocating and then they're just gonna be a footbridge yeah. um so there was that um uh there was just yeah multiple massive explosion sequences of just the german army plowing through yeah. um you know violent tribe number two um <laughs> that's all i'm gonna do there's like there's there is like violent tribes one and two and then there's benevolent tribe yeah. benevolent upside down tribe number In the middle. one um yeah, bo- yeah, mowing down both tribes. Yeah, both tribes get fucking mowed down. Yeah, mm-hmm. true that. Yeah, you're right. I couldn't even. Yeah, the so German the that. German army is just. I yeah. mean, they're villains for a reason. It's good. It's good that the peaceful, benevolent tribe was able to uh, was able to hold their own against yeah, the, the. That's true. The we German, didn't see them get mowed down. German military might, and that was good. I mean. I don't know. No, it wasn't good. There was nothing good about that entire <laughs> sequence. It was so dumb. It was so fucking dumb. Why are they hanging upside down? What What the fuck is that? What Ned, the- they don't like the world the way it is, is and it? they're hoping to change it. <sighs> what do you not understand about that? They're idealists. I just, I just, I just... They're like Warren supporters, okay? <laughs> yeah. You know what? You're right. You know what? You've won me over. You've won me over. We're when, all hanging upside down. We're all hanging upside down here. They they want big structural change. All right. Oh boy, kill me now. Um, um but uh, yeah. Uh, talk to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. We um, have, of course, the German guy under the train. We 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 talked about that one. We have Sledgehammer guy who you talked about. Yeah, wearing, wearing looking fine in his purple pimp clothes. Yeah, gotta say. Well, yeah, it was just like his. His uh, his uniform just kind of stood out so much because, like, so he clearly wasn't part of the German group, but also, like, he didn't necessarily, like, look Turkish, right? He didn't, but like, I'm guessing he was Turkish. That's because he was in, in uh, Degati's 
Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, Degati was the one who yeah. told him to go after them. But, like, also, like, you know, but also, like, again, it was still kind of a military uniform, but, like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That whole sequence was very weird. And also, just, like, yeah, his... The way he climbed up on top of that car and was kind of, you know, <laughs> shuffling over towards him to swing his big hammer at him. Oh, man. Um, yeah, the, the train sequence. Yeah. F- <laughs> yeah, the fucking train sequence. The whole fucking train sequence. There's something bonkers. there's something very endearing uh, to me about the whole train sequence. Like that was one of my favorite parts in the movie when I was a kid. And there are, there are parts of it that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is still kind of, oh, okay, wait. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's getting good, and then, wait a minute, what's happening? There is, a, yeah, there's a lot of stop and start about it. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think there, there were, like, one or two genuine laughs, but then definitely a lot of laughs that just, like... Like we even talked about choices. the 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 German guy after they they leave and and then the German guy is he's he's gonna like rape somebody like who is he gonna oh, rape oh yeah yeah the where, father uh, where, oh, or yeah, Jesse yeah, that, I'm yeah, not the sure fa- yeah the father and the daughter are still in the in the caboose car and the one German soldier is is like you're very attractive and uh, and and. Uh, Jess is taken aback and he mm-hmm. says, I was referring to your father. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 then he's like, but I'm not picky. So I'm like, wait, hold What's on. What's going wait. on here? So you were going to rape her dad, but now you are going to rape her. Like, I just come here, flock so sheep. That's what, what is something he says that to that effect. Come here, little flock so sheep. Yeah. Yeah. And then Quartermain sure just does. blows him in the nuts. Yeah, he, that he does. I mean. Look, if if I saw this movie when I was your age, I I probably would have enjoyed that nut <laughs> shot too. And uh, you know, look, there's there's there is virtue to a good nut shot. Uh, interesting tidbit here: Richard Chamberlain, the uh, star of this movie, he was gay, or he, uh, I guess he's still alive, so he is gay. Yeah, he's a gay man, but uh, hmm. interesting. Yeah, it's it is it is interesting because like you know when you're. That, obviously, that joke, that gay joke, was in pretty poor taste. Yeah, or, and, then, well, and then Chamberlain it says, well, it was just blows like, him away in the nuts. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I don't know about that moment. Like, yeah, it was just so like I just I didn't I didn't get what they were trying to do there. Just like yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, it's just such a weird left turn. Like, why would you include that in there? Like, it doesn't really up the tension. Or I guess it was supposed to be for a joke, but it doesn't read well. Yeah, like, exactly. No that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Most of these jokes just are not landing. Yeah. Like, like the the one part in the train sequence beforehand where he sees the train of you know German soldiers, and then he just grabs a trumpet and yeah, the little bugle, the little bugle out of he thin wins air. them over with uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Or yeah, something like yeah, that? yeah, no, Which, ladies. yeah, yeah, no Camp Town Ladies. Yeah, yeah, but but, and, but like it's just like it makes no sense. Makes like there's no like, sense. like like there you know every joke like even the most ridic- ridiculous jokes at least have some sort of grounding mm-hmm. in like. This is the circumstance they're in, and this is how they're going to get out of right. that circumstance. But there's just nothing to explain, like, why in the world his being like, hey, I'm party guy, <laughs> and I'm not supposed to be on this train, but we're all... Go-. Like, it just... yeah, And they was, just accept him. Even and they though, just accept it. Even like, though he's speaking English to them, first of all. Yeah, and then- <laughs> it's, it's just like that he his character has invincibility by way of comedic yeah. sequence. Yeah, like, exactly. It's just yeah, he, over overpowered uh, tune force, tune force. I, I, I've heard it. Called I mean, he, before. just he, like yeah, that character Quartermain, like definitely supposed to fit in the wheelhouse of a 
of an Indiana Jones and the James Bond, you know, the type of character who just gets himself out of sticky situations with a with a right yeah. quip. He's actually pretty. He's actually though pretty inept. I've found throughout the film too. There are yeah. many. There are many instances of him saying something with all the comments of the world. Like this is how the situation is going to play out, and the situation absolutely does not play out that way at all. And again, it's like it could land as a joke. Mm-hmm. There's like maybe one or two instances. I'm trying to remember specifically one, but there's like one or two instances where I think it does land as a joke. But like most of the time, it's just like, no, you're just an unlikable mansplaining asshole. Like, and, and I actually think that there was a, a few times where, like, he makes fun of Jesse for not knowing what to do or not following him. But then Jesse's the one who kind of gets them out of trouble. And a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like the plane sequence. I can, yeah, say. a little bit. Yeah, where she just is able to take a plane off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Comedy. Fucking um, comedy. Um, any other violence that you that, that, that struck out to you? Kassam. We haven't talked about Kassam. Ah, in, yes. in the uh, the antiquity Ooh, shop. Oh God. Oh God, yeah. He dies yeah. Uh, he, he he grabs the uh, the the dynamite, I guess, the, the stick of dynamite, and he says, I got it, and then blows up to smithereens. Yeah. And then Chamberlain has a nice little callback to that. Quartermain thinks that's funny, and he uses it twice in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I got it, and throws dynamite at people. Yeah. I appreciated the first callback. I don't even remember the second one. <laughs> it, was on the, it was at the train uh, when okay. he throws it. Man. Oh, oh, that's what he said in that moment. Yeah, I got it. I remember it. it being like, he said something dumb there, didn't he? But I mean, it I is pretty it. dumb. It was pretty dumb. Like, yeah. what, what are you doing, dude? Like, Because yeah. Sam just like... And, and it was such, so so cruel to like throw that way up there. Yeah. Well, also, though, okay. So like, here's the thing too, because like, okay, just like as an example of just like how fucking muddled and bad the storytelling and the editing of this film is. The fact that like the very first shots of this, or I don't know if it's the first shots of this movie, but like the very very start of this movie is in Kassam's shop, mm-hmm. and it's Kassam. And, yeah, and, Jess's, little... and Jess's father right. and his research assistant. Yeah. We don't know who that is. Right. It's w- just them. It's just them all pouring over a map, and it's clear that they're about to discover something. Yeah. And then, and then John Reese Davies' character just waltzes in um, and fucking kills research assistant. Yeah. And it's like just such a big shock. And you're like, wait, but I don't even know who this fucking guy I is. I don't care. And I don't care who this guy is. Like. And and again, it's like, yeah, like movies do the cold open where you might see a group of characters who are not familiar, but you at least have some semblance of explanation of who they are in that situation and what they're looking for before you do the cold open with maybe a shocking death or two. But um, yeah, that whole sequence was just confounding and it it, was way too short. And uh, yeah, it was way too short. And and then you see Kassam again later and you're and he's just like being this shifty, you know, motherfucker. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That that whole sequence. Yeah, that was pretty that was pretty rough. Let's move on to our next segment, which is called Boob Tube. And we are, of course, discussing the nudity and sex in this movie. Yes. There is no nudity, surprising, because I, I would not have taken get it. I would not have been surprised if they had decided to have like some topless like African women or something. Yeah, I felt like for for the level of yeah for the level of uh, 
of kind of outrageous comedy and kind of heightened goofiness that they were going for. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't just have a, you know, a, an airplane level right. of like, just we're going to have some boobs here for this one shot yeah. or something like that. Um, so they were mercifully restrained. They were for that in that regard. There was definitely, I did notice some um, Sharon Stone's Sharon outfit Stone. does go through a fair bit of, uh, you know, sexy deterioration she loses as, a lot as, the- as the film progresses or, shorts get you know shredded a little bit uh showing a little more leg stuff like that uh and you know you sta- were staples of the genre you were comparing her to kate capshaw in uh indiana jones and the temple of doom now in temple of doom of course one of the big criticisms is that that kate capshaw's willie scott um is not a fully realized character she's only there to just be in dangerous situations and scream and be saved. You know, she really doesn't have like any agency, but then you watch a character like this and you wish that Willie Scott was in this A little movie. bit, yeah. You know, you know. I will say, I think, again, uh, a part of... Uh, I, I will say that that I was... I, I definitely... I definitely did speak to that, like, very early in the film about how much more... Uh, <laughs> more irritated I was with Sharon Stone's character than I remembered mm-hmm. ever being with Willie Scott's character. I do think that, like, there is a point... I think probably it's, like... I think it's basically like after the train sequence mm-hmm. is where I think the film hits its stride. It does, yeah. Is uh, is is where it kind of feels like it begins to gel a little mm-hmm. more, and um, when the dynamic between um, between Jess and uh, Quartermain, it, it, it they do they do eventually kind of settle into a, a better rhythm. Um, that is more watchable, and also like her character does have a serious motivation at least for the film. Um, but again, like there's no evolution at all, right? Like from where she is at the beginning of the film to where she is at the end of the film. And maybe it would um, have been something I don't know. Yeah. Like I feel like if their chemistry had been better, it yeah, might have a little sold bit. It. Like I think she, yeah, she, like I think she, she definitely holds up her end of it actually pretty well. I yeah, would say. Like, it, she it's actually him. plays. She actually, yeah, she actually <laughs> does play off of Quartermain. Um, pretty pretty handily, I would say. Um, more more than I yeah. because because I feel like you know she's got the cartoony reactions down, like when the plane is 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 uh yeah. circling about to explode going down. She's like you know, looking with her with her eyes, and yeah. she has those like really weird takes, and uh, even the way that she the says, way she's like like grabbing the stick right. and pulling it to and fro, and it's like you're just trying to keep the thing level. You and know, her like, line but, when she's like, "My dad always wanted a boy; he would have known how to drive this thing." It's like very kind of self referential and yeah. you know kind of highlighting yes we get it I'm a, I'm a woman in distress kind of thing yeah so I appreciate that level that at least Sharon Stone was having fun with the campiness yeah. of it whereas I don't whereas it didn't seem to me that Alan that Richard Chamberlain was having a lot of fun in this movie at all yeah, he was just going through the motion. Yeah one well, also just like that his character is just so like just so like unrepentantly superior throughout the entire thing. Like there's just, there is never, there is never a single moment of like humility for him. Mm -hmm. Like there's never a moment where he kind of realizes he got something wrong. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like there are moments where like he knows the situation's not playing out the way he blatantly stated that it would a second earlier. But like there's never, there's, yeah, there's just, there's never, 
any dimension to him that isn't just, I know everything about mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I'm Arlen and, and it's pretty, yeah, it's, it, 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 that, that grew more annoying to me as the film developed, I thought. Um, it's just, yeah. It's and he, just... he definitely tries to romance Jesse, and it always comes across so awkward. In fact, like he's very weirdly handsy with her, and yeah, and there's yeah. no emotional connection in the handsiness. It's just him like putting his hands on her just because the script calls for it. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, a little, <laughs> like, yeah, quite handsy there. In fact, it um, comes across. I, I don't know what would come across more cringy if he actually like has like thought behind it or the way he did it where it was just like a robot doing it yeah that's the thing yeah it's just kind of like the hand just sort of like hovers that way like yeah. not even like yeah and it wasn't i, I, I would, i'm not even gonna be like that guy who what? like blames it on on his sexuality because and i'll tell you why because richard chamberlain um he was i guess a pretty good actor at some point he was the he played he was the first jason born first of all when they did oh, like when they did the, the first born identity way back when and he was also in a bunch of miniseries he was in the thornbirds which is a very popular one of the most watched miniseries in history and he he was a fairly well renowned person and um so it's just weird to me that you know, like you're in this movie it's a very silly movie why not just have fun with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, uh, yeah. Cer- certainly, I think that the the big culprit is the direction. Yeah, like, in that way. Because, because, yeah, you need, there wasn't enough attention played, paid on set to, like, really making sure that the that that everybody was kind of on the same page yeah. you know like it it felt like a few different people were kind of in different movies at different points that's true in a way, you know? maybe it was a lack of communication yeah like a lack of yeah a lack of attention to just sort of like making sure that you know you're you're playing it up for the moments that need to be played up and you got to have a cohesive vision in order for a movie to work and yeah. it just didn't feel like this movie had a cohesive vision yeah not we, not not completely we not, ta- not beyond like you know aping every plot point of indiana jones we were talking even like uh, uh, towards the end of the movie going back to to jesse's character we we have this sudden reveal that jesse bears a striking resemblance to the queen of sheba but and i like already forgot about all that because like they just kind of they just kind of they touch upon it. it and then it's gone. They touch, yeah, they touch upon it and then it's gone. And and also it's like retroactively the reason why they were you know all interested in her. by hostile tribe number two. Right, like, and it's like, like yeah. it's like well, why don't you introduce this plot thread earlier? That actually would have been a great way to foreshadow a bunch of stuff and also like make the character development more interesting. Yeah. Like and then go somewhere with it too. That's go somewhere. Thing. They just kind of like drop that there, and yeah, they just kind of like drop it there, and then because it didn't mean anything, and then yeah, and then they don't follow through with it. Like yeah, that's the thing. It's just the the, the whole movie. It's just kind of like they 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 put things up and then don't follow through. I like, think about yeah. um, the Mummy movies. Have you seen the Mummy and the Mummy Return? The Brandon Fraser Mummy. Oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've seen the Mummy, uh, and it's great. It's fucking. It's also like in this wheelhouse of like goofy adventure movie, yeah, you yeah. know, but um, much better executed, yeah. arguably, Ooh, yeah. than this movie. Um, and in the second one, in the Mummy Returns, Rachel Weisz's character, uh, she finds out that she is the reincarnation, or she's either the reincarnation, or she looks very much like 
the Pharaoh's daughter. I can't remember exactly yeah. what it was. But that plot thread in that movie is established at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. And it follows through the whole way until the end. And uh, when Rachel Weisz's character kind of becomes the key to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but... And like I would have loved to have seen something like that in this, you know, like it felt like you know like a great thing about the Indiana Jones movies is how they set up the mysticism at the at the front of the movie, but they don't pay it off until the end, yeah. but the whole time you know that there's something mystical that hasn't been addressed yet yeah. um, and and you're like engrossed with the action and all the character stuff and all the goofy stuff, so you're having a lot of fun, and then at the end it's like, oh shit, yeah, this is super some supernatural magical shit, but this movie had the supernatural magical shit at the end but there was no payoff because there was nothing leading up to it so so you actually kind of forget about it yeah i literally <laughs> forgot that they did that like yeah like the whole you mentioned it the again. fiery like, pit sequence was supposed to be like the big like supernatural thing in this movie yeah but there was like nothing in of interest there at all yeah and then the witch like kills herself and just blows up in midair. Yeah, and and again, it's just like another th- instance of just like that. Um, uh, oh, oh, what's what's his name? Uh, the character who who ultimately was the king of Umbopo. The Umbopo. That like yeah, Umbopo. Just like so. So this is like right after you know one of the other episodic perils, or just like it, just like they cut away from the peril to like Umbopo runs into the the witch queen. She freaks out. She jumps off the ledge and into the lava and blows up. For no reason. And that's it. Yeah. That's just literally it. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so the movie doesn't have a lot of, like, actual nudity or sex. There is, like, one yeah. sort of, like, weird sex scene with lions. Yeah, there was that. <laughs> the sex scene that almost was. And, and, boy, if it weren't for the invasion of the German army, I was like, they were, they were, about, to, they were about to bang it out right in front of that fucking They were going to give that lion a show. Yeah, I'm surprised that that Richard that Alan Quartermain was about to get laid after doing that tor- that terrible onion joke, though. Yeah, that like, was that was pretty unforgivable. Yeah, your hair looks great with onions or something like that. Or he he said you you look ravishing, I, I, radishing. Yeah, ra- radishing. Was that what he was saying? Did he say radishing or ravishing? Because well, it wouldn't make sense if he actually said ravishing. So I think he must have said. I've never rad- picked that up, but now I kind of respect now him I, more. Now if he I said think- radishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your hair like, looks radishing yeah. with onions. The in it. only thing I liked about Quartermain's character was his <laughs> shitty puns. That he just threw <laughs> shitty puns, and I did love, and I did legitimately love the moment when they were about to drown, and he was still making puns. And Sharon Stone's character was like, "No one loves your shitty jokes." And he just fucking yeah. makes another one. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, "Yes, this guy's such a dick. I love it." Legend, legend. <laughs> He's like, cause she swallows a bug, and and she's like, he's like, it'll keep your strength up. He's saying, yeah, he's like, fuck? it'll keep your strength up, and she's like, fuck that. And then he's like, hey, at least we're gonna die young, and then he's underwater. Like, what a dick! What a fucking dick! Legendary, legendary, yeah, a legendary dick. Let's go into our next segment because there's actually quite a bit to to unpack here in this next segment, which is called. It's that's problematic. Yeah. What oh, isn't problematic in this hell. movie? What is not problematic? Oh my god. Let's just go- just I- like just the just the fact that like every single person of color in this film is just like 
reduced to like this subhuman, like subhuman punchlines and just all these different, like really just nasty stereotypes. Like even again, like even the fucking weird ass tribe of upside down hanging people. Uh, just like so it's weird. just so out of nowhere and just so plays into this weird fucking yeah it just <laughs> oh my god this movie like um and yeah and 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 yeah we we, we should probably start with Kassim cuz i think Kassim uh, Kassim was Kus- like yeah, cuz cuz that cuz that whole sequence with him in the shop they call him a towel head they call him yeah he yeah yeah like there's just like racial stuff like yeah all there's over the place. and and just like the fact that he is just so a sniveling and conniving yeah he just yeah it just really was just so fucking vile and ugly and and then and then his character dies holding a piece of dynamite and it's a fucking punchline like right. it's just yeah it was very very ugh yeah just very awful to compare this again to the indiana jones movies i think like one of the criticisms that indiana jones movies get a lot of times is the depiction of of native characters and people of color in them which i think is a fair criticism yeah but then you watch a movie like this and you kind of wish that they were as sensitive as the indiana well jones that's the movies. thing yeah well and and also like you know to talk about um yeah it's like that you know even in like you know the Temple of Doom, which I would say probably the is, is definitely yeah the cringiest depiction of like a, a, a an indigenous culture, mm-hmm. and like and and like even in that one, like they still make some attempt to like kind of explain some sort of coherent mythology mm-hmm. that's behind right. them for like what's going on right. behind the rituals that they're doing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And there's just none of that here. No. It's just literally like there's, there's a group, there's a cannibal tribe and they've got these gigantic fucking, you know, pots that yeah. they cook, that they boil people, boil alive. people in alive. And then you've got, don't this even other take tribe, out their clothes. And then you've got this other tribe that just hangs around a pit of alligators all day, waiting for a couple white people to feed them too. Where, like, and painted skulls on their faces. Yeah. With painted skulls on their faces and like all half naked. Like it's just the yeah. beginning of the movie when they're in Tangola, like that whole thing I think is like, it's almost like, they're introducing you to the different tribes that you're gonna meet later on, but it's but it's very weird and cringy, like when they're talking about like the slaves and all that, and yeah, and just introducing you to the cannibals, yeah, and, and oh, and that and that and that fucking uh, that fucking uh, exchange where he explains that you know you can you can buy a slave for life for a hundred dollars and she's like that's awful and he says well you can negotiate the price and i was like oh the first of many shitty puns the, ver- the first of many <laughs> shitty puns and and you know like look i appreciate a devotion to your shitty puns but like man that, at some that, point that one that one was that one was to be fair to alan gross. quartermain not to richard chamberlain but to be fair to alan quartermain he yeah. does free the slaves later on he does he does I, that's I, how we know he's the i good guess guy. yeah and, and he even goes a little bit out of his way to do that like yeah, he, he you know stops the truck and then well that's the thing too was like just i i didn't understand what was going on like i thought he literally just got out of that truck to just 
punch a few people of color for no reason yeah, at all. No and then reason. it turned out the the people he ended up punching were actually the slave traders. So, but like, yeah, that, good job, Quartermain. Yeah, but also like that, even that whole sequence of just like how all of a sudden the entire town is just hostile to them all of a sudden, and yeah, it was just. Let's talk about Umbopo's character. Yeah. Umbopo's character is when you think about it. Pretty interesting, but they really don't do much with the character. And not just really in this movie. I feel like every iteration of this story that I've encountered, even in the book, and I and, and I guess that's kind of like the twist, is that Umbopo is like a guide. He's the, he, he's the guide. Yeah. But then he turns out to be royalty in this tribe. And he turns yeah. out to be more important. Um, but there's a lot of like really cringy things that they do with him, like how they they set up the fact that he doesn't like being in motorized vehicles because he doesn't trust anything that doesn't eat grass or something like that. That's what Quartermain says. Yeah, and yeah. he's like on the train and he's afraid, and then he turns out to be this powerful like warrior king. Yeah. So it's like, why why are we playing? Why couldn't he just be a fearless character? I think that I would have liked to have seen him be like just a badass the whole way through. Yeah, or just like yeah, it was just so weird and and yeah, it was like there was no payoff there. There's right. no payoff for the reveal of him being a king because there's no there's no real character to root for. Yeah. Like he like they don't they don't do anything to make the audience you know, regard him as anything resembling human. Again, he's just basically, he's basically just a pack mule that yeah. they are gracious enough to Quartermain just bosses him like, around. Yeah, like, it's just really, yeah, it's really, really ugly the way his character is treated. And, like, I feel if I were remaking yeah. this movie, and I've thought about this quite often, let me tell you, about if I were remaking this specifically, not, not, not remaking King Solomon's Minds or making a version of King Solomon's Minds, but remaking this version specifically. Yeah. One of the things that I thought I would do is, first of all, have more com- more in-depth conversations with Umbopo other than do this, do that. But second of all, reveal the fucking scar at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Have Umbopo talk about it. He can give you a different story. He doesn't have to give you what it actually is. But then when a scar comes back and he reveals that it means that he is of royal lineage, then it means something. Yeah. But like the Queen reveal, the Queen of Sheba reveal, we see the scar and we're like, what the fuck does that mean? Like he's the king. He's a king because of that. Like yeah, because they told us that that's what that means. Yeah. And like yeah, that yeah, like that's the thing. There's just there's no there's no setup or payoff at all in this film. It, they just they just things just happen, and the audience is forced to kind of accept it. And we do accept it because Jerry Goldsmith's score is so great. Right, but like it know, holds everything like, together. Yeah, it holds everything together. <laughs> Thank and you, Jerry. Another, and then there's another shitty pun for me to grow for me to groan at. That's basically just rinse and repeat like eight times, and that's the movie. Like, and we did talk about uh, Jesse, who is the only female character in this movie. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, other than the witch queen. Oh, yeah. Gagula, the the witch queen. Yeah. Which, yeah. talking about problematic, I don't yeah. even know. They call her prune face. I mean, I don't know if that, that if, that, if, that, if that was makeup or her actual face, I wonder. I mean, whoever that actress was, let me just say, was having a lot of fun playing that role. But she was, uh, she was, she, yeah, she, she did it with gusto. That's yeah. for sure. Um, but, but again, I feel like though, even in that sequence, like, so they set her up to be like this 
like bad but guy, but yeah, then, but it, but it's just so. But it's just the fact that like there's they give us no context nothing. for like for like who she is right. or like what what her what her claim to power is or what her relation to the mines yeah. are like and why why it's so important that this sacrifice has to happen like. You know, they just, they don't, they don't give us any of that. They don't give us anything to, like, hold on to, to be like, okay, I get why you're doing what you're Mm -hmm. doing. Like, they just, like, yeah, it's just, yeah, you gotta, you gotta give us some, some basic semblance of humanity. And this film has no regard for any character basic storytelling, guys. Come on, come on. Um, And then, of course, just, you know, top it all off, um, our, you know, our man, John Reese davies um... With, with the brown face, uh, 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 you know, brown face 2.0. Brown after. face in this and in Indiana Jones. And yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, Seems it, to be t- typecast as the foreign person with yeah. the booming voice. I would yeah. say even Gimli in the Lord of the Rings, which he also plays, kind of fits, even though he's not brown face in that role, but it fits that type of role too, because like the dwarves are like are like others in the movie you know there's like the man the Hmm. men and the hobbits are heroes the elves are like you know these perfect beings and then the dwarves are the ones that everyone just shits on a little bit yeah i think i think yeah definitely gimli's uh yeah his his presence in the films i think yeah he definitely is kind of like the butt of a lot of jokes Mm -hmm. um i think yeah maybe if there were if if there was one thing that the Hobbit films kind of tried to rectify, I think it was partially kind of, you know, having more dimensions to, to the, the dwarves, dwarves yeah. characters mm-hmm. and, you know, fleshing out what they're all about and yeah, whatnot. That's um, true. Yeah. So I, I, get, I get what you're saying with Gimli. I think, you know, when when it comes to the when it comes to, you know, high fantasy and stuff like that, you know, you can you kind of take it or leave it a little bit because all of that is is generally pretty heavily divorced from like, you know cultural political like like real world cultural it is political but it also isn't i yeah. think i think there's a lot of that you can say because it conditions you i think to think of of the other of the other as this yeah unknown entity that is scary you know like yeah. even like the treatment of the orcs the orcs are are just a race of I don't know why we're we're talking about this in no, the no, no, King Solomon's Minds yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's but, fair. But the orcs is like just like this other race that's just meant to be villainous and scary that's and not true. have any humanity to them. Yeah, and so that kind of fits a role as like the the cannibal tribe in this movie would. Yeah, you know? that is, that is a fair point. Like, yeah, there is definitely yeah there is there is a dehumanization. Well, right, you know, orcs aren't human anyway. But yeah. you know what I mean when yeah. I'm saying that. But but yeah, there is. There is an othering that does take place because there. I'm sure these yeah. these tribes are fictional, probably. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't like. It's pretty cringy to say, "Oh, this is a tribe of cannibals." When I don't even know if, I mean, I haven't read a lot about the subject, but I don't even know if there were tribes of cannibals in Africa. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that. I, I will freely admit, yeah, there there is a lot about um, there's a lot about uh, you know. There's a lot about the whole massive continent and, you know, the however many, you know, countless countries there are, you know, on that continent that like, yeah, there's a lot that I don't yeah. know about what what is and is not there. Um, I will tell you that uh, I think the idea of the massive fucking bowl that yeah, they're going to boil their people in is probably not, probably not, probably not accurate, probably not rooted in too much rigorous research. Right. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I think um, the only reason that they did a bowl was so they could escape easily from it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though that would again, never happen Yeah, in that real would never life. fucking happen. Yeah, there's no way you can propel yourself at the wall of the bowl whilst underwater. Yeah, right. That's all. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I got what they were trying to do, but like, but, but, but like, you, again, you can do, th- I don't know. The directing choices. Who who directed this movie? J. Lee Thompson. J. Lee Thompson, apparently. Yeah. Allegedly. The leg- legendary because he, you know, he directed um, Guns of Guns Navarone. Yeah. But he also directed this. Crazy. That's so weird. That is so fucking weird. This film was uh, shot on location in Zimbabwe for uh, 10 months. Okay. The crew included many Israelis and South Africans. Which caused uh, some objection from the local Arab population. In fact, the Arab League protested that the depiction of all uh, the Arab characters were basically as slavers, you know. And uh, Richard Chamberlain, who we've talked about his yeah. character being a dick, he kind of said something a little dickish. So I want to share it with you and then get your thoughts on it. Okay. He said, and I quote, I happen to think that people are people. And I don't care where they come from as long as they do a good job. This is a comedy. And one of the best defenses against out-of-date stereotypes is to poke fun at them. It shows how absurd they are. End quote. Nah. What are your your thoughts on on Richie Boys? That ain't fucking it, my dude. Yeah. Um, Look, I... (laughs) I... You know, comedy, comedy and controversy are constant companions. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that um, and I think that there is there is good in some controversy in comedy. I think that there is value in how comedy pushes our comfort zones and forces us Mm -hmm. to, you know, consider to consider our cultural just just our whole cultural viewpoint and and how we view society. Um, and whenever I try to kind of sort through my feelings on like the more controversial pieces of comedy or comedic depictions and whatnot, what I, my rule of thumb that I always go by is, uh, that I always think about at whose expense the joke is. Right. Um, like who, who is the person that has the power in the joke and who is the person that is deprived of power in the joke? Like that's, that's always like however edgy the material is. That's what I come back to when I think about, like, how I feel about, like, I guess you could say the ethics of a Mm. joke. And I think that um, this movie just quashes over, (laughs) just just stomps on just so many different cultures and just paints them in such... always at the exempt of the little man. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. Except for the German. The German's the only white guy that gets shit on, basically. Well, that's the thing, yeah. And again, like, that's the thing. It's like, we're talking about, like, you know, the, you know, like, look, the, you know, I know that this wasn't during World War II, but, like, when you talk about, like, comedy that, you know, makes fun of Nazis and makes them look ridiculous, it's like, well, yeah, they, like, you know, murdered, you know, countless millions of people. So, like... Yes, we do want to make them look absurd and paint them in these broad strokes mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So that's yeah, that is very different from from you know these you know these indigenous cultures that you know are then you know reduced to you know, yeah and and who've been like nothing. you know taken advantage of yeah. by colonizers and um and and just been put through like the most awful conditions. So 
yeah, no, he, Mr. Chamberlain is like way off on that one. Um, and yeah, the whole people are people thing. That's like, you know, that's, what an excuse, that's, right? that's, 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 that's all lives matter. That's saying all lives matter. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, it's fucking got it. Got to dig a little deeper there, bud. Yeah. I think that the, 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 there is a way to have the comedy without, um, playing into the stereotype. I do agree with that. Yeah. Or even playing, maybe not playing into it, but subverting the stereotype. Yeah. I think that there could have been a lot of more clever ways to do it. Yeah. Um, even if you're going to, I mean, I, I understand that the movie and the story, all of the story, like the novel is set in Africa. So obviously you're going to need to have African characters, but you can have an adventure story that's still a pretty good adventure and not yeah. at the expense like we well, it's just like you need to you need to have you need to have some specificity which means which means that you have to like acknowledge the humanity of the people right. that whose whose culture you're going to set your story in the midst of mm-hmm. like and so that means having you know some level of you know you know, maybe depicting one or two, like, you know, actual indigenous cultures and, you know, at least, at least, you know, paying some level of attention to like what, what their actual lives are like, or, and, and, and then just like actually, you know, having characters who actually want things and go after those things. And, and again, like you, you know, it's, it's not like the movie has to necessarily be like, you know, realistic and all that stuff, but it's just like, you need to, you need to just, you need to just acknowledge humanity at the like, end of the like day. Like we like even you, pointed out, like the the one tribe that doesn't want to kill them are the the ones that are upside down, and it's like, well, then you're 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 not you're painting them as a benevolent tribe, but at the other hand, you're painting them kind of like idiots. Well, and they're well, and 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 like they they are literally like treated like set pieces they are like they are literally just like like they, they wash have, her clothes yeah. and bring her gifts yeah like they just are literally completely servile and um and yeah they, they, they are don't even literally, say anything they're literally yeah they're just attached to the vines and they swing back and forth and that's all that happens and, and they you know they have just like those one or two lines about you know who they are and what they believe but it's just so like it doesn't it, it just but but they're just it's just this amorphous blob of trees yeah. that happen to have people attached the to them. The Gungans and, in Phantom Menace are way more drawn out. And nuanced. <laughs> and like, nuanced. yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, there's, <laughs> again, like, and the Gungans are very much derived right. from very bad stereotypes. Yeah, they're problematic, But, like, at too. least they have some specificity yeah. to, like, you know, what their culture is like and the fact that there are different people with very specific viewpoints right. within that culture. So, yeah, yeah. yo, like, yeah. fucking hell. Well, that was King Solomon's Minds, Ned. That that certainly was all right. Final thoughts. What do you think? Was it a a bad movie? A so-so movie? A good movie? A great movie? A hidden gem? Tell me. What do you think? That was uh, the last true great American movie. (laughs) Piece of shit. No, um, pretty bad movie. Pretty bad movie is what I would say. I'm just like... Yeah, very sloppy all the way. Um, yeah, a lot of jokes that didn't land. Again, like mo- most of the laughter that I had through this movie was was not by design. Mm. Is, is is where I come away with it. There were there were a few there were a few good moments here and there. 
Um, certainly the movie's got some talent attached to it, but um, it was not enough to save it from the bad editing, the bad directing, the bad writing. Just, yeah, it was a mess. Would you watch it again? Um, under the influence of <laughs> some things, I would watch it again. Um... Talk to, talk to me because you you've got you you have more you you have more history with this I movie. Have so I with this movie. I'd like I'd like to hear kind of your your top line. Take well, away. as I mentioned earlier at the very top of the podcast, I uh, I have a soft spot for this movie yeah. because I've been watching it since I was a little kid, and I not, I feel like everyone that I ever meet has never heard of this movie, and I'm always super excited to introduce them to this movie even though I know that it's a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah. But it's just like one of those things like, I love this, so you have to experience it too, kind of thing. Yeah. And there are things in this movie that I have very fond memories about. Yeah. Uh, Certain sequences, even some of the lame jokes, like my sister and I will still tell each other some lines of this movie, and we know exactly what's going on, like, you know. Um, but I agree with you. The movie is bad. Um, it's a really bad movie. Uh, yeah. And I think part of the reason that I like it now as an adult is kind of ironically because it's such a bad movie. I enjoy it for its badness. Yeah. Uh, and even in the stuff that I write in my personal life, I find myself when I when I watch this movie in preparation for this for t- tonight's episode, I was like, man. A lot of my sense of humor is actually kind of informed by this movie. It's kind yeah. of weird, except that it's not. <laughs> at least, I hope my jokes land, <laughs> but the style of it is like very much informed yeah. a lot by the way that they use humor in this movie. So it's it's interesting. It's a part of me, you know. But I recognize, yeah, there's a lot of things that are very problematic with this movie. I, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. I'm not like I'm not gonna <laughs> tell someone you should watch this movie. It's awesome. But if I ever have a chance, like if you're ever in my presence, you haven't seen this movie, I will probably make you watch this movie at some point just because I want you to experience it with me. Yeah, Experiencing the, the badness of it. Absolutely. Well, and you know, like I think, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, you know, we, we, we have, we can have room to, you know, admire certain pieces of art that like, you know, we, we can acknowledge, we can acknowledge the problems that they have, mm-hmm. but you know, sometimes it doesn't change you know what they mean to us personally and sometimes a lot of that has to do with the context in which we first experienced them and also i really love his hat with the uh, leopard skin ring around it yeah i like it yeah. i dig it too, too bad he lost too it so early he lost, lost it very so early. early he lost it before the movie hit its stride you know? i know like, come it's on. crazy indiana jones never lost his hat no he didn't so uh you know Fuck that guy, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for watching this movie with me. Thank you for having me watch it. Uh, Well, we hope that you guys join us uh, next time when we watch another exciting movie and then pick it apart and talk about all the sex and violence and that. Until then, thank you for listening to Gratuitous Sex and Violence. Now go forth and watch some movies. Do it. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. 
relationship. No motion. Just. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just. You guys always bring the very best violence. Just. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just. You guys always bring the very best violence. No relationship. No motion. Just. You guys always bring the very best violence. Just. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just. You guys always bring the very best violence. 